Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle with Eric Cabral. On this episode, most people's housing expenses half their paycheck going straight to housing. For us, we can take that half hour paycheck and put it straight to savings or sa- straight to growing more investments. That's only our money that we're using. And we did this all on a single income. Yeah. I was a single income government employee with two kids right now, and we've yeah. been able to do this. So if I can, anyone can. Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative. I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director, and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like, subscribe, and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also, don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. Hello, this is Josh McCown, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business, reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Hey, folks. We are live. Although if you're listening to the podcast, not so live, but we are actually recording live on Facebook. And thank you so much for tuning in and for watching and listening and supporting this show. I am your host, Eric Cabral, and I am with an amazing individual, that I've met, felt like ages ago, brother. <laughs> like, even though you told me it's probably a year ago, it felt like three years ago. Um, I, so much has happened, I'm sure, in your life. Um, so that's probably what makes it feel like it was so long ago. But uh, folks, I am with a really cool dude. Um, I, had to, I had the opportunity to actually meet his wife as well um, at a networking event that we run out in Princeton. Uh, his name is Sonny Burns, and he is the founder of FamVestor. Uh, he's a huge family uh, man, so obviously the, the, that's where the name sort of originates from. And he's also an investor. Um, great brand, by the way. I'm, 
Thank you. I love it. Um, so, you know, he, he and his family are working towards getting to financial freedom. So they're getting closer and closer, and he's currently at $100,000, probably more, um, in, in gross annual rents, which is amazing. Um, I hope to get there as well someday. And, um, you know, he writes about financial independence and creating strong families that invest in themselves uh, through his blog and through his, his brand called Famvester, which you can check out at famvester.com. But he's also a full-time project engineer for the Department of Defense. So um, he's under the protection of the government. So if you're looking for him, you know, he's, he's, he's protected. So welcome to the show, brother. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks, Eric. Uh, thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's great having you in the studio. I know we, we've been shooting the shit for a little while, and, um, you know, thank you for your patience uh, having me set up. And Yeah, now this studio yeah. is so awesome. It's so inspiring to see this whole thing. So great Thanks. being here. Thanks, brother. So what we like to do on the show here is, uh, you know, what I like to call the superhero's origin story. So, like, I'm a big geek, right? I grew up reading comic books. I don't read them anymore because everything's on the big screen which is great. It's like all my childhood dreams coming true. So yeah, what was the comic book issue number one for Sonny K. Burns, you know, his origin story and the entrepreneurial bug that bit him and turned him to a radioactive entrepreneur? Right. Um, yeah, I feel like I always kind of grew up, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, you know, uh, my parents weren't very wealthy or, you know, we were kind of, we lived in a basement apartment for most of my young childhood. A basement apartment? A basement apartment. Oh, wow. Yeah, I th and I heard like my mom would just feed us mac and cheese because that's all she could afford, no. craft mac and cheese. So we grew up pretty poor. So I don't just naturally grew up kind of frugal and uh, savvy with money just because we didn't have much. So we had to make it stretch as far as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, I heard actually my first word was money, which is interesting. My mom literally told me this. I'm like, no, you're joking, right? No, she's like, no, your first word was money. And I think it's because, you know, it was around, I was born in 1990. So it was like right around where like the stock market, um, the dot-com bubble was happening okay. and things like that. And my parents were investing in the stock market and they actually got bankrupt because they were doing like futures and went mm. over a little over their heads and, mm -hmm. uh, filed a bankruptcy at some point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's an interesting aside. And I've always just kind of been entrepreneurial. When I was little, I would actually take my bicycle, ride to my local CVS, buy bulk bags of candy, and then set up a little living room store to love sell it. piecemeal to my siblings. I love it. And, uh, to your siblings? To my siblings. It wasn't they like neighborhood my, kids. No, they were my first clients. <laughs> I eventually went to the neighborhood and started selling like um, glow sticks during the 4th of July things. Oh, damn. To... Were your siblings doing that type of stuff or it was just you? Um, it was mostly me, although my brother and I, we would do like uh, snow shoveling around for the neighbors and make money that way too. So yeah. always trying to find okay. different ways to make money. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so what it ha what happened during you know the middle years and high school and graduation? Was there anything that you were doing during those that period of time that sort of you know would call you know would your entrepreneurial you know, spirit call you during that time? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I kind of wanted to be financially successful because I felt like my parents were great. I love my parents. I love the family I grew up in. You know, I have three other siblings and we had a great childhood, great family. Just, you know, money was always a friction point in our family. And it was like kind of the thing that my parents would argue about. And so I was like, I want to create a great family just like they did, but I don't want to have this money issue. So I was like, what the best way to do that? What everyone's telling me is, oh, I got to go to school. I got to get a good degree so I can make a good salary. And that's the way to do it. So, you know, that's kind of what I did. But um, 
I was thinking, how do I do this in a reasonable way? You know, uh, going to college isn't, isn't cheap. And my, my dad always told me growing up, I'm not paying for your college. You're going to have to pay for it. So uh, I was, and I was like, okay, what colleges can I go to? And I'm going to have to commute because I don't have money to do room and board. So I need transportation. And I can't buy a car because cars are so expensive um, with uh, especially car insurance in this new New York City area uh, where I live in North Jersey. It's going to be like $2,000 a year for car insurance. So I bought a motorcycle. And mm. I bought a motorcycle by fundraising on July 4th with glow sticks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I bought a motorcycle. And that's only $300 a year rather than $2,000 a year for insurance. So yeah. motorcycle insurance is far, superior, oh, yeah. far cheaper than car insurance. Oh, wow. Which oh, you, no, really? You think it's the other way around? You think it would be the other yeah. way. But I think it's just you can't cause as much damage with a motorcycle only oh, to yourself. Okay. With a car, you can... Like, so it's maybe life insurance is what's... <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I bought the motorcycle in mm -hmm. my junior year and that was my transportation and then could should i keep going here yeah absolutely i was curious though your family your your parents weren't worried about you jumping on a pocket rocket Nah, they were fine with it it was only until i met my wife that the motorcycle became an issue <laughs> oh, oh man but uh yeah no it was great you know if you get 50 miles per gallon it's it's so i, I love my motorcycle yeah, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, keep going, brother. So yeah, what so, next? so then my senior year of high school, I was thinking about, you know, how am I going to start making money and uh, afford college that I'm going to have to pay for myself. Um, so I started working at Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. And so I was working at Taco Bell after, after school hours and making some money. And I had this plan. Um, actually, prior to Taco Bell, I had this plan. So I bought that motorcycle really cheap. I bought it for $2,000, and I was like, next day I could sell this for like 3K, like oh. easy. So make like a thousand bucks. And I'm like, you know, if I just do this, you know, I buy, find good deals on Craigslist, that's where I bought my motorcycle, and just find them really cheap, then I could, you know, resell. And I was, and so my plan was, I need to make some capital so I could start uh, flipping business. Mm. And so I worked at Taco Bell for six months, made uh, enough capital. And the day I quit my job after six months working at Taco Bell, I bought my first uh, car to flip. Mm. And it was, uh, it was like a fourteen hundred dollar car. Uh, it was a nineteen ninety nine Mitsubishi Mirage. Mm -hmm. Bought fourteen hundred dollars. Two weeks later, I sold it for twenty eight hundred. So Whoa. made double. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So did you do anything to it? Not really. It was just a really good deal that I picked up off Craigslist. Wow. So you, sort of like real estate, you did your due diligence, you saw what it was worth, the right. Kelly Blue Book, whatever it was, right. and you're like, wait, this guy is grossly underestimating how much he yeah. can make for this. So then you just bought it, didn't just vacuumed it, washed it. That's, yeah, I did do a lot. You know, I, sh I shined it up, washed yeah. it. I uh, made, I think it was missing like the front Mitsubishi decal. So I bought that off eBay, put it nice. on there. Just little, little, little touches. Yeah. Um, to make it look nice. You put it back on Craigslist? Or I put you... it back on every... So I've, I've bought and sold 19, uh, 19 cars at this point in my life. And that was oh. all bought through Craigslist and sold through Craigslist. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. I did buy one car off eBay, actually. Okay. Yeah. So how, how old were you? Uh, when I bought that first when I was 17. And 17. So was your anyone else involved to make sure you weren't getting ripped off? Like somebody was selling someone else's car, you had all the right paperwork, like you figured that all out? Uh, yeah, because, you know, I went through the process buying my motorcycle, so I knew how to do, deal with titles and how the whole process would yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Dude. And I was watching YouTube channels on how to, like, check out cars and make mm. sure they're reliable. So, so you just fly solo you didn't have like your dad there to just, like i i would take my dad with me uh, and he was fine with that and he would take because you need you usually need two drivers you know one mm. to get there and then one right. to bring the secondary car back yeah yeah right 
You weren't like driving your motorcycle there and putting it in the truck. <laughs> Towing it with the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, way. yeah. Wow, dude, that's awesome. You're the first, I think, on the show that's ever mentioned flipping cars. I yeah. know it's a big thing. Um, yeah, I did run into one guy that, that has a whole business based on that and um, it's doing really well. So, so that's amazing. So then what did you start to do with that capital as you started to... Right, so that was paying for my first two years of tuition. You know, I went to Stevenson's Technology, and they had like a crazy. I think now it's up to like sixty k a year for tuition. Oh damn! Luckily, we're poor, so I had a ton of financial aid. I was <laughs> smart, got straight A's, so I had a lot of merit scholarships as well. Yeah. So I just had to make up the difference, which was around like five thousand dollars a year. Uh, five thousand dollars a year or semester, I forget, okay. that I had to make up. Yeah, and yeah. so I was doing the car flipping business to kind of make up the little difference there and support my college tuition. Oh, wow. Had you at that time, especially while you were going to school, because you probably only would get into the back into the car flipping business during breaks, right? You know, you're no, like, I was you, doing you it like while you were school? whenever. Yeah, I was just, you know, just oh, searching wow. Craigslist because it's really just a time thing. You know, you got to look, search the ads and every once in a while, you know, there's like probably like 20, 20 cars that pop up per minute. So you're just looking through them and you know, at a certain criteria, you know, cars between like a thousand to $2,500 and you know, Japanese models that are reliable mm -hmm. and that I could just, you know, if I saw a good deal, someone who didn't know what they were doing when they were selling and just wanted to get rid of this old car, I would go there. I'd be the first one, you know, within like 10 minutes of the listing popping up, yeah. I'd have to go over, maybe not 10 minutes, but within like two or three hours, I'd have to, I'd be there with cash in hand and be like, Hey, you want this car gone? I'm your man. Uh, here's here's cash, and let me let me make this deal happen for you. Oh wow! So how did you manage that though while you were in school? Like, I would just do it. Still do it. Yeah. Just spend the, the cut the time up to carve the time out to do it. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Tell us what happened next. There, you were able to sort of start saving money, and what started to frame your mind around. Um, you know, investing, like, you know, taking that money and putting it into other things. Right. So another cool thing that kind of happened was in my junior year, um, I was interning at several uh, companies and I started interning at the Department of Defense, a place oh, yeah. called Picatinny Arsenal, in New Jersey. And uh, when I was there, they were telling me about this great scholarship that they had called the Department of Defense Smart Scholarship. And I applied for it and I got it. And this was like a great scholarship that ended up paying full tuition for my junior and senior year. So I no longer had to really flip cars. I think I still did a little bit because it was decent money yeah. and I knew how to do it. Um, but basically they paid full tuition, but also $25,000 a year cash stipend, cash in your pocket, just oh, so you don't have to worry about anything and concentrate on your um, studies. Mm -hmm. And in return for accepting the scholarship, I had to work for the DOD at a civilian capacity. So as a mechanical engineer at one of their sponsoring facilities, research development um, for two years. So every year I accepted, I had to work one year. So two years after graduating, I considered it a guaranteed job. I worked for them at full civilian salary and I'm still there today because I love it so much. But anyway, for two years, I yeah. had full tuition paid and $25,000 coming in. So with all this money, you know, and I'm such a frugal person, I was saving it. I wasn't spending and buying something new. And I was like, how do I make this money do anything rather than sitting in my bank account? So I was looking into stocks and then I, mm -hmm. uh, and then I started getting into the real estate thing. Yeah, so so what was the thing that opened the door for real estate instead of stocks? Yeah, so the thing that happened was when I was like 22 years old, so right before graduating college, my father finally bought his first house. And I was looking at his like mortgage statement 
and he bought like a $250,000 house and I saw in three in after 30 years, you know, a 30 year mortgage, he'd be paying total $750,000. So almost three times. So like half of two times of that was going into interest payments. And I'm like, I hate that. I don't want to do that. So I was thinking like, maybe I'll just save up a whole bunch of money and just buy my house in cash. That was my thought at, at 22 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was looking and I was into podcasts at the time. So I'm like, let me research. How do I exactly go about buying a house? So let me see if there's podcasts out there. And I stumbled on this podcast called Bigger Pockets, which mm. is all about real estate investing. And I just started listening to the show and it was talking about how you can buy rental properties and house hack those rental properties, live in one unit, live for free, get rid of your housing expense and just kind of like really expand and create like a real estate empire. And that just got me going. I got so excited by it. Yeah. And so instead of like, pooling this large sum of cash, which I was doing and using it to buy a single house, it got me into the mindset of buying maybe a rental property. Mm, so did you start listening to more and more shows, local shows and like, um, you know, picking up the books that they were all recommending to read? Yeah, so I started listening, I, and I do audiobooks just because I had to commute and things like that. And yeah. so I started listening uh, to all these audiobooks, gaining my knowledge. It took a couple of years, probably like a year or two, mm -hmm. and uh, just getting that knowledge. Yeah, so during that time, uh, were, were you still single? Were you married? What was, what was your situation? So I started listening right before probably getting married. I got married right after graduating at 23 years old. Mm -hmm. um, like a couple months after graduating, I got married to my wife. And, you know, I was telling her about... Uh, she was also naturally frugal, also just didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so we were very... Uh, matched very well in that way where we could both be frugal and you know try to um create some kind of financial freedom which we were both interested in and so i kind of brought up the idea of trying to buy a rental property and she was you know a little hesitant about tenants and things like that but i think after getting her to listen to some some podcasts about real estate investing she was on board and so about like 23 years old uh so maybe like two years into researching we start going to open houses just kind of getting our foot in the door of uh, like how to maybe look at properties and analyze them. At the time, had you guys owned your own resident or were you right. looking, the first home purchase for your family was going to be a rental? Right, that was wow. going to be the first property. Yeah, so at the time, right after grad, uh, right after getting married, we moved into my parents' house, mm -hmm. which is you know like a four-bedroom house with one bathroom, and there was nine oh. adults living in this house, wow. and we lived in this one bedroom. And she was a teacher, you know, making like a fifty k salary in New Jersey, and I was an engineer making a fifty k salary mm -hmm. as an introductory engineer. So we were making like a hundred k together, but we were living in this tiny one-bedroom apartment in my parents' house with <laughs> one bathroom, nine adults. Wow. Um, because I have three other siblings and one of them is married as well so mm -hmm. um that was happening how long did that last uh we were there like two and a half years wow, or so good for you Just man we saved like seventy five thousand dollars in nice. two years yeah and i had some savings from my uh scholarship as well mm -hmm. so we had around like 100k at yeah. the time of uh, buying our first rental property mm -hmm. so then you knew you had that 100k you wanted to put it into some sort of real estate investment so what was your criteria what did you start to look for Right. So our our goal was to be able to live for free and make a thousand dollars a month, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of a crazy criteria. Yeah, considering everything that's happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was the goal. Which that was, was the goal. You achieved relatively quickly. We didn't exactly meet exactly that criteria, but mm -hmm. we got a really good deal. Okay. We definitely lived for free and made a couple hundred dollars. Okay.
which I think is if you can make uh, buy a rental property, a house hack your first rental purchase, and be able to live for free, get rid of that housing expense. Yeah, that's you you you've won. So was uh, that first purchase a house hack? You moved into it. Yep, we okay. bought a four family house. It was right off the MLS, mm -hmm. a multiple listing service where all the realtors look and post. Mm -hmm. And we found you know it was after like a year, a year and a half of searching. You know, going to open houses, contacting listing agents, can we see houses, analyzing deals. We finally found this one property that. Um, popped up it was a four family house in Garfield New Jersey mm -hmm. 12 bedrooms four baths so four three bedroom units wow. so it's a you know big property it's two duplexes on one lot mm -hmm. um, 12,000 in taxes it was a great deal yeah. super money maker yeah yeah so you were familiar with the concept of house hacking I'm, mm -hmm. I'm guessing through bigger pockets you right. know that's what they termed it and then um, you were like we're gonna house hack this is our this is our ticket right, right. we're gonna move out of the house with nine adults and you know <laughs> And whether so was the criteria? I mean, that's big, right? right? So was were you like, okay, we'll take a duplex, a triplex? Was like we were looking for quads because we knew in our area, you know, taxes Northern New Jersey near New York City is so expensive. Yeah. You know, everything is like ten thousand and up for you know even like single family homes. Yeah. So we knew if we bought a single family house, we can't charge that much to accommodate those taxes. But you know, our four family house with twelve bedrooms, mm -hmm. which we ended up buying for four hundred thirty thousand dollars. But that house is only $12,000 a year in taxes. So $1,000 a month, but we can break that $1,000 a month expense into four different units rather than just a single family with pretty similar taxes. Yes, a little less than a multifamily, but not significant, not four times less. Mm -hmm. You know, it's maybe 30% less, 20% less, depending on the town. But yeah. so that's why we were targeting multifamily because we knew those could cash flow with the high property taxes in that Beautiful. area. So when you guys teamed up, were were you the analytical side doing all the deal analysis? I'm the, I'm the numbers guy. Yeah, and, she's and, an artist. I'm and, an engineer. So what was she doing? Was she more sourcing the deals and throwing it over to you to analyze? What, what was, I was her role? I was pretty much analyzing, but once we would visit the properties, she grew up in a really old house, like built in the late 1800s. So her family just grew up fixing this place. So she actually had a lot more experience with old houses and what to look for what oh, could wow. be problem points me i was like mechanically savvy you know fixing cars and things mm -hmm. but i didn't know much about houses yeah. so she definitely had brought her own set of uh, skill set in when we were looking at properties so, so she was basically like your your inspector walking through the properties right. and knew what red flags to look for that's pretty cool so was she also doing research as well during this time and just listen to like oh, you got to listen to this podcast or something like that so she would pick up a little bit here and there but she yeah. was kind of leaving it up to me to kind of really determine whether the property was a good deal or not yeah sweet so you picked up this property um, tell, tell us a bit about how, that experience you know like closing that deal and eventually moving into it and finding tenants or was it already occupied it was completely vacant so as an reo property real wow. estate owned so i think wells fargo the bank owned it at the time mm -hmm. and they uh, they have a cool policy and you could still find some of these deals on like homepath.com where for the first 12 days they were only going to let non-investors put bids on so only people who are going to move into the property and live on the property yeah. um, so for the first 12 days you know there was only three other two other bidders besides us and you could see this was a hot property when we would go and visit you'd see like 20 30 people not 20 maybe like 10 people yeah, on the property looking around peeking in the windows tr and trying to get in on it but they couldn't offer because they weren't planning to live there they yeah. just investing yeah. So I think that's how we got our in because um, it was a great property. You know, now it's appraised at six hundred twenty thousand, and we bought wow. it for four hundred thirty, so almost two hundred k over. Nice. And we bought that in two thousand fifteen, so only four years ago now. Yeah, you're not currently living in it anymore. No, we yeah. still are living oh, in you it. Are. So we're still in the that uh, unit number one, and we mm -hmm. rent out units two, three, and four. Yeah. So so 
tell us about you know once you closed the deal how exciting that was and then also you know what was the process to get it up and performing right so um the bank actually had done a lot of work in it they painted all the walls um so one of the units was ready to go and actually uh, my wife's parents had just sold their house and they needed a place to stay they were actually in a hotel room waiting for us to close no! so the day we closed they moved into unit two wow. um, and we gave them a good reasonable rate yeah. um, so they moved in and so we had a little bit of cash flow come in but still we had so much expenses with three other vacant units yeah um, so it was kind of painful the first couple of months getting up and running and we tried to do a lot of the work ourselves because mm -hmm. we're frugal people so we thought that was smart um, but I think we should have had uh, more contractors than we did mm -hmm. and just really get the place up and running and turned around and rented as soon as possible right because holding costs are so expensive wow wow um what are the holding costs well you know you got to think of uh taxes property taxes mortgage insurance um all that and when you have renters that's offsetting all that and you know in our case actually bringing us money um so, you know, we, we, we did some of the hardwood floors, we put yeah. in new sheetrock. So we took the worst unit, so we fixed up all the other units first, uh -huh. and uh, we ended up taking the worst unit a couple months in. Um, but we fixed up everything else first uh, so that we can get them rented and occupied. And then our unit, we, which was the worst, we kind of transformed into the best, actually, because we, like, gutted the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, took your time. Took our time with I it. Got the other units occupied. Yeah, and, and the rent coming in, and then we were at least breaking even, actually. Yeah. No, once the, all three units were renting you know we were cash flowing at that point so from close to getting it occupied how long did that take so we closed in october of 2015 um got that first renter my in-laws in immediately mm -hmm. yeah. and didn't didn't end up uh renting the other two they both uh moved in at the same time until march so five months almost okay five so months of holding not, costs though which not, is so painful yeah that's brutal but yeah yeah uh, that's not bad. I was yeah. I was expecting it to be a lot longer. So um, you get them in, and then now you can take your time fixing the the one you're gonna. Now you do it the way you want it, mm -hmm. and how you because you know you're gonna live there and raise a family there. Um, so so now that you've been there for a few years, um, what was the next step for you guys? Like what you start? When did the Fanvestor and your brand and like you know eventually getting onto bigger pockets as a guest? Episode number two ten. Two ten, and that's how I learned for, uh, about you and invited you down to speak at Aria. Um, yeah, wh how did that all start to come to fruition? Right. So, so when we bought that house, um, you know, we did a we wanted to kind of keep expanding and keep trying to build towards this idea, goal of financial freedom. So we bought that first four family. My wife was actually six months pregnant when wow. we closed and she was on maternity leave. And our, you know, she was homeschooled growing up. So our goal kind of has been to homeschool our own kids. So uh, that's a reason we kind of went into rental property investing and trying to lower all our expenses, get rid of our housing expense. So after we closed, we decided very easily, okay, you know, you're pretty much retiring at this point. You're not going back to work come September. Um, and uh, yeah we have the financial freedom now that we can do that because we're getting from this prop from those three units we're getting like 50,000 K gross you know mm -hmm. but basically that's just meeting most of the expenses mm -hmm. but you know that she was making 50k salary now we're getting 50k gross rent mm -hmm. and we can manage you know with my own salary and so mm -hmm. it was a very easy financial decision to make yeah. but you know we want to make uh, you know we want to kind of create more financial independence and eventually not have to have me working so that was the eventual goal so we did a cash out refinance mm -hmm. um, 
and that was pretty much just getting a brand new mortgage and pulling out some of the initial cash that we put into the property because we put 10% down so $43,000 and then we put in materials and things to fix up the units so we actually pulled out $67,000 in the cash out refi mm -hmm. and we used that money to fix up our unit unit number one in that property mm -hmm. and some of the remainder uh, we and then after that we did another we did a home equity line of credit on that same property nice. so a second line of uh, credit for about $61,000 mm -hmm. and we used that to buy our second property in 2017 <laughs> August um, right. and I guess throughout this whole process you know everyone's kind of asking us how'd you get into real estate how'd you do this yeah and because of that I was like okay let me create a blog because instead of answering the same question over and over again let me create a blog people yeah. love this and then once I created the blog I'm like oh I did a good job on this blog let me promote it and I was like uh, trying to get on bigger pockets because they have like a hundred thousand listeners per show and I'm uh -huh. like if I can get on their podcast then people are gonna uh, find out about me and my brand and uh, go on to FanVestor and see all the cool resources we have there yeah, yeah. So how long had you been into investing at this point when, when you got into bigger pockets? Only a year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you were you were in the process of you refresh my memory because it's been a while since I listened to your episode where um, you were moving into the or, or about to purchase the second. No, investment. the second wasn't is, okay. it wasn't even in the picture. We had just bought gotcha. the first four family. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, talk to me. I had a question about that um, the HELOC. So. You you refied, took some money out, helped that you were able to uh, use that money and right. that capital to to fix the place up that you were going to move into, and then you a lot of people and I wanted to talk to the audience that might think that's crazy and it's you know that's so risky that you're going to put two lines of credit on and so they talked to talk to me and the folks at home about you know, that strategy and the HELOC and like the percentage that you paid versus sure. what you're going to make, you know, so up to that, you know, why it makes sense. Yeah. So for that first refinance, we were, when we locked in a, with a 10% loan originally, uh, we had at a 4% rate and, you know, rates kind of lowered after that. So after like six months putting in work, putting in money into the property, the property appraised for $550,000. And so we bought it for 430, 550. So that's 120 gain. And so we decided interest rates are low. We locked in at a three and a half percent interest rate. Mm -hmm. So half a percent lower. And we put, we were able to pull out all this cash. So 67,000. So it was kind of a no brainer. Yes, we did have to pay another round of closing costs for the cash out refinance, but it, it made sense at that time to get a brand new mortgage mm -hmm. at a lower interest rate and pull out cash. Mm -hmm. And so that, that seemed like a no-brainer to me. But when it came time to needing more cash, because we were like, oh, let's do this again, find another deal, uh, we didn't want to do a cash-out refinance again because interest rates had kind of crept up. Mm -hmm. So we're like, what else can we do? And that's when we started pursuing a home equity line of credit or a second mortgage. And... Uh, so that's what we did for that reason, because interest rates were kind of higher. Yeah, so... so and and I feel like it's not crazy because we used it not to buy a fancy new car, right. but to buy another investment, which is going to cash flow and bring more money exactly. to us than the interest payments would cost. Yeah, exactly. So to in simple terms, folks, and, and, and I'd like you to explain it to, to them, Sonny, about how you, know, you get a HELOC, it's at a certain percentage, but you know that you're going to invest in another property that's going to yield and, and, and give you greater. So it's going to... Right, so give them some of the numbers if you want to share that and how that worked. Yeah, so, okay, so for that first property, you know, a three-bedroom, uh, we just rented our uh, vacant unit number three for $1,900 a month. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, sorry, not 19, it was 1815 a month. And then another unit, $1,700 a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, pretty good, good cash coming in. So from that property, that Garfield property, just from those three units, we get to live for free in one unit, but the other three bring in $54,000 a year. Mm -hmm. 
For the second property we bought, we bought in North Arlington, New Jersey, again, like 15 minutes from New York City. Uh, we bought for $350,000 in 2017, August. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, a little smaller. There are two two-bedroom units and one one-bedroom unit. And that brings in uh, like $1,400 and $1,500 and $1,200. So $50,000 a year. So in total, we're getting in about $100,000 three thousand dollars a year gross from mm -hmm. just these two properties alone yeah um, which is pretty cool amazing and when you account all the expenses and I'm uh, it's not the expenses are high right you know, so with vacancy and maintenance I put in about like five thousand dollars a year vacancy mm -hmm. and maintenance costs for each of the properties so that's ten thousand total and with all the mortgages the property tax the insurance and utilities factored in I'm seeing about eighty thousand dollars a year in expenses between these two properties okay so really we're only netting about twenty thousand dollars a year so cash flow is about twenty twenty thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. which isn't crazy but you know it's cool but yeah. but we don't have a housing expense which is right. humongous huge um, so we get to live for free we get to save pretty much like seventy percent of my paycheck mm -hmm. um, just because we have no housing expense and then now we're working on an Airbnb um, mm. so we have like a bonus area in uh, our Garfield place and we're working on an Airbnb uh, just because it's been just storage and nothing's been useful there so we're working on making that into Airbnb and we we talked to the only other Garfield Airbnb -er, and we figured we can make around seventeen thousand dollars a year on this Airbnb oh wow and then we have a basement space that we want to use as storage in North Arlington so that'll be another nine thousand dollars a year so net profit we're imagining in within the next year to be about forty six thousand dollars a year just from these bonuses that we're doing. just from those two add-ons yeah yeah right. and properties you already own and properties we're just maximizing yeah. the space we yeah already have so yeah so for anyone out there who isn't aware about you know investing in properties and commercial properties especially where you uh, you know you add value to the properties one of the strategies Sonny's talking about is actually putting storage cages or putting some type of storage that you can offer to your tenants and then you bump up their rent mm -hmm. right another 25 30 dollars a month and then you know same thing you could do that with additional parking that's what we're doing or too. great you know, you know in other types of larger larger uh properties you could put vending machines things like that washing machines um but yeah that's that's great so you guys figured that out and you weren't even factoring that into your numbers early no. right that's just after yeah. the fact yeah we were like how do, you know we have these two properties already we could buy more but what if we just like maximize what we already have anything we make more than what we're already making is just gravy on the yeah. top without any expenses i love it i love it so i imagine since you guys have a tolerance for you know living with a lot of people <laughs> you already have the high threshold that are, are you guys going to try to stay in that that fourplex for as long as you can so we would but the thing is with that four family house it doesn't have a blade of grass on it and mm -hmm. we have two kids at this point we have a four-year-old and a right. two-year-old we need a backyard we need yeah, yeah. To, you know luckily we have a park nearby but we were the next plan I mean we're under contract right now with another four family that wasn't part of the plan our plan was buy two rental properties and then our single-family house but we saw a great deal so we had to go for it so after we close on this four family I think maybe a year down the line we're gonna buy our single family with yeah. a nice yard and uh, just for the kids to you know yeah. be able to enjoy Themselves. Stay in the area. Uh, yeah, probably just stay in North Jersey area, but maybe move a little closer to my work. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. That's I love it, man. But I do kind of can I share real quick yeah. a little bit more about the numbers. So, yeah, absolutely. so we got that Airbnb, that basement office, and that's going to net profit while we live for free for forty six thousand dollars a year net profit. Yeah. And then once we move out, you know, we can rent my unit for like nineteen hundred dollars a month. We mm -hmm. can bump out where my um, in laws live for about another seven hundred dollars a month. So that's an additional thirty thousand dollars that yes. we'll get of rent coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, now we have to pay a housing expense, but we'll have a net profit of seventy seven thousand dollars a year just yeah. from two properties alone 
And then right. once we pay off the mortgage, the mortgage expense is about $40,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So once we pay that down, and you think, you know, a 30-year mortgage is how quickly are you going to pay that off? But once we pay that down, we'll get $117,000 a year net profit from just these two properties alone. So from just these two properties alone, we have our financial independence. Right. Just from the two properties, once all the debt service is paid off, then right. now all of a sudden you're making over $100,000 more cash than my salary. Whoa. I don't need to work. Ridiculous. It's a, it's a simple decision. And dude, I know before we turn on the mics, you were like, yeah, and then we'll probably stop there. I don't think you're going to stop, brother. I don't think <laughs> we'll, you're going we'll to keep going, man. I, I don't just know. I'm like, going. do I want to make my life complex or be it, able no, to? Dude, it's all about building systems, processes, well, yeah. teams. Once, I, once stuff, I don't man. have to keep working full time, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure all the avenues will open up. Yeah, yeah. But still, and you're so young too, man. You got so much ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. So inspirational. Oh, man. and and yeah, we can yeah. pay down these. Uh, the first loan I calculate, like if I stop uh, maxing out my four hundred one k's, IRAs, we can pay it down in seven years. That wow. first one, and then the next one five years later. So in twelve years, we could have them paid off and be kept collecting one hundred seventeen k net from just these oh, two I properties. I love it. I love it. Yeah, folks. So just. <laughs> If you're not into real estate investing or you were thinking about doing it, I mean, Sonny is a prime and his family is a prime example of creating independence, financial independence and financial freedom for yourself. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so what's what's next for for Sonny Burns and Sun Marie and the family and, uh, you know, Famvester? What's what's what you got on the horizon? Yeah, so I guess I'm thinking about what I want to do once I am financially free. You know, yeah. um, we're pretty close to it. We're at 86% financial independence at this point using mm -hmm. my spreadsheet. Um, and my thinking is like, what would I do if money's not a concern? You know, what do I want to do? And I love teaching about, you know, building financial freedom for yourself and creating, you know, intentional lifestyle for your family. And so that's that's kind of what I'm working on. I've just launched a podcast with my wife um, and I'm trying to get it more into speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and so my goal eventually, I think, is to become like a speaker who speaks about, you know, creating financial independence and creating strong families. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I'm building myself towards yeah. for, um, you know, once I stop working full time. Right. I love what I do, but, you know, if I, if I feel like anyone can, not anyone, but a lot of people can be engineers doing what I'm doing, um, helping out the military department of defense. Like I said, I love what I do, but a lot of people can do it. I don't think everyone can share and spread this message of creating financial independence for yourself and, you know, just creating an intentional lifestyle. So it's beautiful. So you're basically building a personal brand and a, and a brand around what it is you're doing and, 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 and how you can help to inspire and, and, and help other people. Um, so, so yeah, we, we have a segment towards the end here where we talk about recipe for success. And, you know, what are the, like, one or two, maybe three things that, you know, if you throw in the blender, you know, can help other people, like, oh, okay, this is how I can get started. This is, this, this will be the recipe for my success. Right. My, my father was told, kind of told me growing up, like, effort counts for more than genius. Like, he didn't care how smart we were. He just cared that we tried, you know, that we put in the work and we really, uh, you know, just put in the effort. And I really believe that, you know, effort counts for more than genius. Um... The second thing is, you know, just taking action. There's so many people who, you know, I meet, I run a meetup and I meet all the time that are like, hey, I really want to get into real estate investing. Yeah. Ha, and then that's that's kind of it. I just yeah. want it. I just want it. 
Right. And I want the success. I want all the glories that come with it. But they don't put in the effort, the hard work that takes uh, that goes into it. And I really feel like action cures fear. So you know, you just gotta take action. Like, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we took the small incremental steps. Uh, we didn't contact the realtor because we didn't know any realtors. But we went to an open house. It was very low barrier to entry. So we took the simple action steps that everyone can take and kind of walk their foot in the door. You know, we 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 went to open houses. Then we started contacting the listing agents, and you know, from there we started analyzing properties and then finally after a year of searching we found one and sure it's not a quick easy get rich quick scheme but you know we put in the effort and it worked for us you know the thing is people already put that effort in when buying their primary residence mm -hmm. right you know I know my wife and I before we got into real estate investing bought our primary residence and it took over a year yeah but you did it in a smart way where you spent that extra time, you spent the same amount of time, but you bought something that's gonna cash flow and get you closer to your, your goal. Right. Which is, you know, I think the majority of people out there aren't even aware of this strategy and this mindset. So what I love about having folks like you on the show is it gives people, um, you know, uh, uh, shines a light on the other opportunities that are out there, you know, whether it's going to be through investing in stocks or real estate or a business, you know, you have to do something that, you know, once you spend that amount of time in, in, in a spe specific thing, is that thing going to be worth it down the line to get you towards whatever it is, financial freedom being your goal or some other type of goal, whatever legacy you want to create for yourself. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just super inspirational, brother. So how can people reach out to you? How can people get a hold of you, be inspired by you? Right, best places to hop on my blog, famvestor.com. I have all my resources, the podcast links, everything there. Yeah. So it's like familyinvestor, F-A-M-V-E-S-T-O-R.com. Love it, love it, brother. Yeah. And if I can just share, number one tip, you know, yeah. if you can just buy your first house as like a, a duplex, a triplex, or quad, you will be so far ahead of your peers and be able to accelerate that much quicker. You know, most people's housing expenses is half their paycheck going straight to housing. And if, you know, for us, we can take that half hour paycheck and put it straight to savings or say straight to growing more investments and yeah. for that's how you know me now at 28 years old I'm gonna you know we're under contract with our third property another four family we're gonna have 11 units at 28 years old in the New York City area that's like yeah. 1.7 million dollars of real estate assets at right. 28 years old that's only our money that we're using and we did this all <laughs> on a single income yeah. I was a single income government uh, employee with two kids right now and yeah. we've been able to do this so I, if I can anyone can Right, right. It's the fortitude. It's the mindset. There's a lot of things that, you know, you know, Sonny's doing really well. And as long as you have these things aligned, you could do it too. Like he said, you know, like uh, anybody can do it. You know, you know, everyone's human, right? right. <laughs> it's just it's, it's just getting the proper habits in place and, 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 and surrounding yourself with the right people. Uh, you know, there's a million other things. But if you look into successful people like Sonny and other people in your life or just people out there on YouTube or Facebook, whatever it is, um, you know, be inspired by what it is they're doing. What are their habits? What are their rituals? You know, and, and you'll see a common thread throughout all. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much, brother, for sharing your story, coming down to the studio. You inspired me, and I'm sure you've inspired, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out there. Um, and just keep doing what you're doing, brother. Hey, thanks, Eric. Yeah, Glad yeah. to be here. Awesome. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast 
platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Yeah.